It's pretty amazing as we go through our lives and through our time how much we actually depend on signs and on signals. We depend on signs and signals in, in many different parts of our lives. Um, for instance, if, if you are someone who is married or in a relationship, you are constantly looking for signs and signals that everything is okay. Or signs and signals when things are not okay. And then you try to decipher them. I remember as a uh, kid when we were competitive swimmers and doing the backstroke, which if you've ever watched the Olympics and they're doing the backstroke, eventually as they come to the wall, you see them suddenly flip and turn in order to go to the next line. You're only able to do that if you notice and see the signs around you, the flags at a certain marker in the pool, and then you count your strokes till you have to turn and do your flip. If you don't follow the signs, do you want to guess what happens? You hit your head. You run right into the wall. When rowing crew, I remember that, that the thing that you had to do was stare directly at the person in front of you, and you watch the signs of their body, that as they begin to make a movement, you begin, and you make that same exact movement. And every time they move, you move. But you can only do that if you're paying attention and looking directly in front of you. Recently, one of my neighbors explained this to me, that he is someone who's a sailor and, and a bit older. And he said as he was learning to learn how to sail, uh, one of the things he had to do was tell the navigation by stars and by the shore. And so constantly as he was on his sailboat... As a kid with his dad, his dad was teaching him all of the signs, especially around the Puget Sound area, you know, of to make sure, because if he didn't follow the signs and if he didn't follow those markers, he could not o- would not only be putting his own life at risk, but putting the life at risk of all those that are on the boat as well. So we, as people, depend on signs all the time. And in fact, it's very easy for us to, ease, to make those signs our God. We use them to make sure that we stay out of trouble, that we are safe. This is what we call putting faith in something. And believe it or not, every person, whether they are someone who who completely rejects the idea of a God or not, has faith. Because they are putting their trust in something. It's okay, my daughter cried through her baptism, so it's fair. Everybody puts their faith in something. They put their trust in some sort of signs or signals or the way things should be. So for us... As we go through our season of Lent and through this sermon series where we're talking about faith, the question is not, uh, do you have faith? It's what is your faith in? Where do you put your trust? Where do you look for these signs and these signals? As you're going through your own mind and asking this question of yourself, you will find that you put your trust and your dependence on many different things. Nothing is worse than 
getting out of your house to go to work and suddenly the car doesn't start. And it throws off your entire day. We often find, actually, that we are dependent. We put our trust and our faith in people a lot more than we like to admit. Recently, in in our own country, we've seen this happening, where the divides in our society are deep. People are frustrated and angry at the election one way or another. And I cannot help but imagine that every time I hear people speaking with such venom about the way things are or the way things could be, that they have in turn made their dependence on people. We depend a lot. And oftentimes we don't like to admit it. In fact, the other day I was listening to a sermon that reminded me of something I had forgotten about the story of the prodigal son. The fact that in the prodigal son, as he's returning home before the dad runs out to greet him, we often think that he's returning out of repentance, but actually in the story, he's returning out of necessity because his money's run out. He doesn't have any relationships anymore. He found that as he escaped and he went away, he actually depended very much on that family he abandoned. And so as he's walking down that street to return home to his father, it's not out of being sorry. It's not out of repentance. It's out of dependence. It's out of need and necessity. We've had so many of those relationships in our own life where we, as we're sitting here thinking about this listening, we can go through the names of those that actually we wind up depending on. And then we have to ask the question of, has that overtaken our faith in other ways? Have we moved those people in our lives into the position of God? Have we moved our hopes of a a country, our hopes of a city, our hopes of government into the place of God? Have we moved our spouse or our child into the place of God? Have we moved the comfort of our home or the way things are into the place of God? You've heard me say it and and Marcus say it many times as well that the way Martin Luther describes in his commentary on the first commandment that God to you is that which is foremost in your heart. That very thing you look to to receive blessing and promise from. What is it? I bet you, you need not look any further in your life than the very relationship that's stressing you out right now. And you can probably find where you've moved something in the place of God. But we know that we are not to put our faith, we are not to put such uh, unequal trust 
into the things of this world. Because there's one thing that's true about all things of this world. You, me, the person sitting next to you, and everything that's out there. Is that we are all created. That we are all made. Which means that we are all prone to sin. We are all prone to fall short. And if you and me and the person sitting next to you and all things out there are created, that means that we also have a creator. In fact, one of the names that was just placed on Jack earlier is the name of that very creator. Spoken with with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Showing to us, all of us reliving our own baptism and remembering that, that I do not put my trust in such a way in the things of this world, but I can only put it on the one who's made the things of this world. Who's different. Different from you and me. Because he doesn't depend on the signs that we depend on. He's not crawling around in the dark. But rather, He is the one who's brought the source of light to us. Not needing to read the signs of the shore or of the stars or of the flags in a pool. Not worried about whether the car will start or not. But different. Different. This is where our faith belongs. This is where our faith falls to. So our God is not not a God of politics. Our God is not even a God of science. Our God is not a God of technology or relationships of marriage and home. But rather our God is a God who makes and creates and redeems and sustains. Our God is a God who's come to us. He's come to us to be with us so that the only sign that we need to look to is that of His cross. The only sign that we need to be reminded of is the cross that we mark on our foreheads and on our hearts. He has come to us in a way so that the only sign that we need to see is that of His forgiveness, is that of His presence in our life. So no longer are we having to crawl around and improvise and creating our own gods. Looking to those that are of the same substance that we are, the same uh, failures, the same sinfulness as us, and looking and wondering, can they be the one to finally save me? Can they be the one to finally change everything for me? Are they the ones that will bring blessing to me that no one else has? That's all done with. That's all gone. Because in Jesus we have the God who's come to us. The God who has given us a real, true faith that is different from all those other faiths. As you see in all those other faiths, when we put our trust and we depend so much on people to bring us those blessings of salvation, what we're looking to them is to give and for us to take. 
And I would put forward that those two things of taking and keeping are acts of death. That's what they will lead to. Of only taking and keeping, they will lead to death. But this true faith that comes to us in Jesus is a faith of giving and receiving. You see, we have received in Jesus a faith that that brings to us life, not death. That as it goes along this faith, it, it continues to create and make new. Just as we saw here with Jack at the baptism today. That as he came forward, what walked away was somebody new. And somebody with a promise of being new every day. That in our faith, we receive, but as we receive, we also give this life. We do not return to the Father like the prodigal son out of necessity. We return to the Father to receive and to turn and give. We do not look at the stars or the shoreline the same way that sailor does, looking only for signs. Because in doing that, we miss the entire beauty of the shoreline. We miss the beauty of the stars. We're unable to tell our children about what they actually are. But in true faith, in faith in Jesus, it's different. What we receive, we are able to give. As we receive this life, we give this life. In fact, that's the very way Jesus defines what love is. Giving over this very life we've been given. So now we begin asking at first, what is it that we put our faith in? Hearing about this true faith of ours, we should ask the question, how do we give it to others? How do we, as as we go along, share this, leave this, bring about something new in others? It can only be by those same signs, the sign of the cross, the sign of baptism, the sign of his life-giving word. Amen?